grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. One of the most delightful words in the English language, in my opinion, is the word onomatopoeia. Onomatopoeia. Anybody remember what onomatopoeia means? Uh, you got to go back to elementary school and remember onomatopoeia. If you remember what it means, shout out. What's, a, what's an onomatopoeia word? Uh, it sounds like what it means, right? So buzz or splash or belch. There's all kinds of these words. Onomatopoeia words are words that sound like what they mean. But when I give you an onomatopoeia word tonight, but it's not an English word, it's a Greek word. It's that word that's on the on the front of your worship folder there. And yes, I'm going to make you say it, okay? It's the word splachnizomai. Splachnizomai. So, all right, let's give that a shot. Splachnizomai. Oh, isn't that lovely? And what does splachnizomai mean? Well, its root definition is the guts or your bowels. You know, the splachnizomai or splot your splachna. And the reason that's significant is because in the Greek-speaking world, when they would speak Greek, we would we in English talk about our heart. And your heart is like the seat of your emotions and your feelings, right? Although we'll say things like, it really got you in the gut. Where we would speak of the heart, the Greeks, in and, and the time of the New Testament, they would speak in terms of their guts, or their bowels, their splachna. And that got extended into a verb form, and splachnizomai is the verb. And the verb that uh, is what we translate as to have compassion. Compassion is splachnizomai. It's that kind of action that comes right out of your gut, right out of your heart, out of the core of your being. And it's been said, one biblical commentator says, splachnizomai, in a nutshell, is the entire ministry of Jesus. Jesus' entire work on our behalf could be summed up in this word, splachnizomai. In fact, it's the word that shows up in our gospel reading tonight when we hear that Jesus looked out on the crowds. And when he saw them, he splachnizomai. <laughs> he felt and had compassion. But compassion is also one of those words that can be a little bit slippery. It's not always clear what people mean by it or how they're defining it. And so what I want to do tonight is to define Christian compassion in the terms that we see it in our Lord Jesus. And here's the working definition that we're going to use tonight, and we'll repeat it and kind of unfold it as we go. Christian compassion is concern that causes care conformed to Christ. There's actually a class in seminary for alliteration, right? No, just but it's concern that causes care conformed to Christ. And I want to break that into to three parts. The concern, the care, and the being conformed to Christ. You need all of it, or else you lose a full-bodied sense of splachnizomai. So let's start with that first part. Christian compassion is concern. 
it's gut level, break your heart concern. It's when you, you feel something and you can't turn away anymore. I remember a time when I felt that kind of deep sense of, of concern, of compassion, of being punched in the gut. I made my first mission trip, a short-term mission trip while I was in college to Haiti. And before we went to Haiti, I had heard about all of the, the deep level of poverty there, that it's the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, that many people there are hungry, they're living on just a subsistence level, you know, all of these things. But as I read about it, none of it really hit me in the gut. I mean, I felt sorry about it. I thought, gosh, this is really bad. I had a sense that we're going to a place that is very poor. But it wasn't until I went there that I really was able to feel that sense of and I remember precisely what happened. So we go to this village, this rural village called Carpujaclu, and we were doing some different things there. Our group from our church, we did a VBS, we did an eyeglasses clinic, and uh, one of the things that I did, though, I found out that I'm a really good Pied Piper with kids. And so I was just singing songs with the kids, and the kids were following me around this little village. We were singing, Alu, 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 Alleluia, Gloire, Oh, Signet was the Haitian Trail, but it was a pretty easy one. I could learn that real quickly, and many years later, I still remember it. So I'm singing that, the kids are following behind me, and we're just having the best time. And all of those thoughts about the poverty of this country, and the hunger, and all these things, I mean, yeah, I could tell, like, okay, this is, you could tell that these are poor folks, but in that moment, I was just feeling joy and happiness, and everything seemed, seemed right with the world. Well, after a while, I got, I kind of ran out of songs. To sing the kids. I got kind of tired of running around, so I finally just stopped and was like, okay guys, I need a break. And I've got like 20 kids around me. And after a moment of being quiet, they start looking up at me with these big eyes. And what they say to me in Creole is, Wen Grangu. Wen Grangu. Wen Grangu. And I have to ask my friend, my translator, what is Wen Grangu? Although I had a sense of what it was already. And he says, it means I'm hungry. It means I'm hungry. And in that moment, it was right in the spot. Because I just had this overwhelming sense of concern for these kids that, yes, I could feed them right now. I could give them some food. But at a larger scale, I just felt so hopeless. This is where compassion starts, Christian compassion. It starts with that gut level concern. And I'm sure you've felt it before too. You've had those moments. Maybe you didn't have to go to a foreign country to feel it, right in your own home. Maybe it was with your family. Maybe it was with, with families that you work with, whatever it might be. You know about that kind of concern. And nobody knows it more acutely than our Lord Jesus. We see it in tonight's gospel in this way that just blows me away because Jesus, he comes out and he sees this great big crowd. And you know how it is when you see a crowd? It's hard to see people. When you see a crowd, whether it be on, on TV or whether you be, you know, back in those old days when we used to gather in huge crowds, it's hard to see people. It's much easier to see labels, to put people into groups or demographics or whatever it might be. Precisely the kinds of things that's happening so commonly in our world right now. But what blows me away about our Lord Jesus is when he looks out on the crowd, what does he see? Individuals. He sees 
people. More to the point, he sees sheep, helpless, harassed sheep. The words could literally be translated as flayed and flung. You get the impression that Jesus sees these people as those who have been uh, assaulted by the evil one, who were feeling that sense of harassment from the devil, from the world, from their own sin. And when he sees them, he sees individual souls that need compassion. Christ has that compassion for them, and he has that same compassion for you and for me. The way that I felt when I saw those little children saying, well, men one grew, that's how Jesus feels for each and every one of us all the time. And it's interesting, sometimes psychologists will talk about a, a phenomenon called compassion fatigue. You ever heard of this? Compassion fatigue. It's the idea, I mean, it's very intuitive, like you can run out of compassion. At some point, the tank just sort of runs dry. You're like, I just had a, a long day of, you know, whether it be seeing commercials or, you know, going on to Facebook or, you know, just conversations you've been having, whatever it might be. And at some point, you're like, you know what? I'm just not feeling it anymore. Jesus never has compassion fatigue for you and me. And in fact, he's going to say just a few verses later in Matthew 10 in one of our Gospels in the coming weeks. He says that each and every one of you, that he numbers the hairs on your head. I'm looking out. For some of you, it's easier than others. He, num he numbers the hairs of your head. He never runs out of compassion for you and for me, but he always feels that gut-level concern for us, for our well-being, for our salvation. That's where Splotnizomai starts. It starts with that gut-level concern. But it doesn't stop there. So Christian compassion is concern that causes care. It's concern that causes care. Concrete care. Action. At uh, an old church of ours, there was a sign in the, in the church kitchen over the sink. It said, all the good feelings and all the well wishes never replace help with the dishes. <laughs> a couple of you might have a similar sign in your own kitchens. It's that sense like, hey, I love your concern. I love your warm fuzzies. I'd love even more if you got your hands dirty and helped out, right? Because this is what true compassion does. It doesn't just stay at that sense of concern, that feeling in the gut, but then it creates and gives forth to concrete action, care. Remember I told you, splachnizomai is a verb. It's something that you do. Indeed, our English word, compassion, it's, a, its root means to suffer with. To suffer with somebody. Not just in a, a passive sense, oh, yeah, I, I feel you. I feel your pain, like we say sometimes. But it means I'm actually walking alongside you. I'm helping you. I'm doing what I can to alleviate your pain as well. That compassion gives forth into action. And this is just what we see in our Lord Jesus, even just in the reading right here, where he has that gut-level concern. He feels that it is blocked enough, but he doesn't just stop and say, gosh, this is really bad. But immediately, what does he do? He equips and he sends out the apostles. He sends them out to announce the kingdom of God because he had seen these people, these helpless and harassed sheep. He says it ought not to be that way. And so he sends out the apostles. We see it in other ways when Jesus gives forth this block in the Gospels. It means that he, he feeds the hungry. You think of the 5,000 
that he feeds them with the, the loaves and the fishes. He heals the sick as often as they bring sick people to him. Again, he never has that sense of compassion fatigue. I get fatigued reading the gospel sometimes, right? Like at the end of the day, it says, then they brought all these people to Jesus. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, just leave the poor man alone. But he's no mere man. He's the son of God. He can handle it. So he does it in, in these concrete actions of care, proclaiming and sharing the kingdom of God through his actions. And for us as the church, as believers then, what is our calling? What is our mission? It's to, in a sense, extend that compassion of Christ. See, the ministry of our Lord continues through you and me. And the words of our Old Testament reading, we are a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. We can't build the kingdom. That's God's work. We can't lay the foundation. That's what Christ has done. But we build on that foundation as we proclaim and share the good news of Christ, as we give acts of mercy to our neighbors, as we show forth that compassion of our Lord. So this true compassion, this splachnizomai, this concern that causes care, concrete care, but there's a third part that holds it all together. Concern that causes care conformed to Christ. It's conformed to Christ. See, Jesus in his earthly ministry, he healed a lot of people. He fed a lot of people. He did not heal everyone. He did not feed everyone. Indeed, his ministry, if we were to look at it just by mere numbers, Seem to be a failure. You're the son of God. You're the savior of the world. And you do your whole ministry, like in a 30-mile radius? How could that possibly be? But it's because the culmination of his compassion is the crucifixion. See, when the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, when Christ Jesus is himself flayed and flung, becomes helpless and harassed, for the sake of those lost and perishing sheep, for the sake of you and me. That's the height of our Lord's compassion, is that through his death, he has freely given to you and me the ultimate gift of eternal life, the forgiveness of sins. He has defeated the devil. He has driven away the demon of death, and he has given to you and me this promise and this hope of eternal life. If his compassion only stopped with feeding and with healing the things that he did in the midst of his ministry, it might be nice. It might be a, a neat thing to read about. But in the end, it would leave us with no more hope. But the culmination of Christ's compassion is in the crucifixion, his death and in his resurrection for you and for me. Redeeming us, reclaiming us as his flock. And so this is important for you and me when we think about compassion. See, sometimes Jesus is portrayed, forgive me to put it, for putting it this way, but sometimes Jesus is portrayed like he's just some kind of bleeding heart hippie. And he's kind of going along and just telling everybody, we just got to love each other, guys. It's all going to be good. That is not the love of your Lord. Jesus doesn't just have a bleeding heart. He has bleeding hands and feet. He bleeds from his head and from his side on the cross for you and for me. And for us to show compassion means for our hearts, for our lives, to be conformed to his sacrificial, self-giving love. See, that's what true compassion 
is all about is the love of our Lord received in and through you and me. And this is so important for us to understand, especially in a time where many folks will regard compassion as just kind of token gestures and what's sometimes called virtue signaling, right? You've just got to say the right things, show the right actions, even just put something up on social media. That shows that you are the right kind of person. That is not Christian compassion. Christian compassion combines truth with mercy. Law with gospel. It's wedding both of those together as we go out following the pattern of our Lord Jesus. Are you with me? It's like the psalm says, Psalm 85 says that steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. You need both of those to go together, hand in hand. That's true Christian compassion. It is concern, yes. It is concern that causes care, absolutely. But ultimately, it's only Christian compassion insofar as it is conformed to Christ and his sacrificial self-offering. That's what it looks like, friends. I want to leave you with, to me, one of the most vivid, concrete, human expressions of this Christian compassion that I've ever seen. And it was through those same visits that I made to, to Haiti. I ended up going two more times back, three times total. And I met there the most remarkable man. His name was Israel Isidore, Pastor Israel. He was the man, he was about five foot three, this dynamic little Haitian man. He was like if you had just taken a cappuccino, like a red-eye cappuccino, and turned it into a human being. That was Pastor Israel, right? Just so much so much energy, so much compassion. The reason we were in this little village of Karkujiklu was because of him. Because he had seen the need in this place. Even though it was off the, the beaten path, it would seem like, who cares about this place? And oh, by the way, it was in the grips of voodoo. The people there had, for long, had long been practicing voodoo. This is essentially pagan religion, which essentially worships death in many ways. This was the place that Pastor Israel brought us out to. And I remember seeing, I say about our Lord Jesus, how it seemed like he never got tired. I can say the same thing about Pastor Israel. I remember one day we got up so early and they took us out to the site where we we're going to be meeting at like 8 o'clock in the morning, which when, you know, now I laugh at that, right? But when you're in your 20s, you're like, 8 o'clock in the morning, right? We're out there early and Pastor Israel had already been out there since the sun was up, moving gravel. I don't even know why he was doing it, but when we saw him, you would have thought that he was like playing with puppies. He was so happy. Welcome. He's, you know, shoveling up. So happy to see you. Pastor Israel was, had this heart filled with compassion, but it was a Christian compassion because he wasn't just somebody, a feel-good kind of person. He was willing to speak the truth in love. And I tell you, that village was in the grips of voodoo, and he called it for what it was. He said, friends, this is killing you. This is an absolutely death-dealing religion. And there was a voodoo priest who was a kind of uh, an authoritarian figure in the village. And nobody wanted to cross this guy, except for Pastor Israel. He was willing to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with him. And he told him, he said, you, I want you out of here. This, Jesus owns this land now. I want you to sell it to me. And he refused to sell it to him. And he kept coming back to him. He was trying, trying to buy this the land from him. He wanted to build a church there in Carpuja Flu. And the man wouldn't do it. The priest wouldn't do it. He wouldn't back down. Pastor Israel tells us this story. It's going on and on. He wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. 
And then Pastor Israel says, God killed that man. <laughs> One day the voodoo priest just dropped dead. And then his wife became a Christian, sold the land to Pastor Israel, and I got to be a part of building the church on that land and the first ever worship service. It was the most incredible experience of my entire life. This was a man of true Christian compassion who had that concern that went forward into concrete care but was conformed to Christ. It wasn't just well-wishing. It wasn't just sentimentality, but it was truth and faithfulness. It was law and gospel. It was love conjoined with the love of our Lord. That's what Christian compassion is. So friends, I want you to go forth today remembering this. It's When you get that feeling in your gut, remember the love that the Lord has for you and me, that he never tires of. That he never tires of us, but constantly looks on you as his beloved sheep. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ.